0: What's good, everybody? My next guest is Karina Cabanellas. Her job is exciting. She is reimagining CVS pharmacies, their layout, the way they interact with their patients, the way you pick up drugs. She is rethinking the entire experience of walking in and out of a drugstore, and it's fascinating. I'm so hyped to hop in an episode on the business of healthcare. So Karina, you're a senior advisor of retail pharmacy innovation at CVS Health, but I have a question for you. Why is the United States the only country in the world where we can buy milk and bread at a pharmacy? Shouldn't we be rethinking that space on basic groceries for more innovative health uses.
1: When you think of your local like pharmacy thing, it's, it's where people will go to pick up, you know, their quick groceries on their way home from work. And I think that that is that sentiment that you raised is something that CVS as a company is trying to move towards. You know, we've made these really strategic moves to really start to think of ourselves as a as a more broad healthcare company and offering comprehensive services. We have a the last couple of years, started to launch um, these new store formats called Health Hubs. And so a Health Hub is basically taking this idea of, you know, let's decrease the number of square footage that we're dedicating to um, to these other consumer products, you know, like groceries or, um, you know, the battery shelves, you know, it, it, it could vary definitely by, by market. And taking... Uh, shift that um, that retail space into more healthcare services and products, and so what um, what that allows us to do is be more integrated into patients' communities. A lot of that retail space is going to start becoming more healthcare focused.
0: I am a huge fan of the Minute Clinic. You know, in Ann Arbor, it's kind of a godsend. You know, uh, we just hop on our phone, go on our website, and we can instantly you know get a conversation with with a practitioner. Um, pretty incredible stuff. And the best part for me, the convenience there is that, you know, I'm, I'm consulted on my health and then I can go and grab the medication or prescription I'm prescribed in the same location, right? I go to university of Michigan health service. I get my checkup, I get my appointment. I got to go walk over to Walgreens. And what if I have like a sprained ankle or I'm really sick? I got a 103 degree fever and I got to trek over to Walgreens as well. So, don't you think it's such a value play to wrap these two things into one?
1: The idea is like it, it can become this one-stop shop. You know, that I think is going to be like the pharmacy of the future. And by future, I mean near future. We're not that far off from that. And the so if you're looking at Minute Clinic, you know, it might be the first thought might be to go there for more acute types of conditions like a strep throat, um, get pick up some quick antibiotics, et cetera. Um, but you know, I think where there's more value is really in the, making the move into more primary care services.
0: Do you envision marijuana, the medical use of it, becoming a part of traditional pharmacies like CVS, or do you think there will always be a distinction where marijuana is sold and prescribed?
1: I I think that we are still probably a ways away from that. If you're thinking at more of these, like, larger chain pharmacies and being able to, um, you know, to get marijuana products there. Um, You know, I think that where, like, CVS, for example, has started to, like, enter into that general space has been more in, like, the CBD market and, and selling products there in the, in, like, the front store um and i think that that you know i think it's more of like understanding how sales are in that area um in that particular category and and of course i think it's going to come down to just state by state regulations um you know when you're operating a like a brand or a store that is at like the scale and reach um as cvs is like you want to maintain some sort of consistency um, in the experience across, you know, across state lines um, to a certain extent. And so, when there are so many different state by state regulations that are drastically different, um, you know, sometimes it does make more sense just to wait a little bit longer until there's something that is a little bit more standardized across the country.
0: So when I walk into a CVS, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about my health, but there's also this this, as we kind of alluded to before. There's this massive section of frozen pizzas and k- huge bags of candy and massive 2 liter bottles of soda and ice cream. I've actually bought frozen pizza when I've at CVS, you know, and to to to, to like fill up my dorm room. That that seems a little bit counterintuitive to me. I know CVS has the Do you think that we might be coming into conflict here with that?
1: I think that that is Part of has, you know, that has come up in conversation a lot more about, you know, how we want to, you know, strategically, how we want to position the company. Um, You know, I think that that a a perfect example of that is our decision several years ago to remove tobacco products. You know, we were the first um, chain pharmacy to make that decision. And, you know, that really took a hit to our, you know, to our revenues. Um, But we knew that if we wanted, if our play was going to be to become um, more of a holistic healthcare company that um, that tobacco just you know couldn't be part of that, couldn't be part of that equation anymore. And so I think we're, we're confronting like a very similar um, challenge with these, um, you know, these like the quote unquote like junk food items, you know, that that, that our shelves are, are stocked with.
0: So we're living through unprecedented times and CVS has played a heroic role in fighting this virus, whether it be, you know, people going there to buy hand sanitizer, people going there to, 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 to continue to seek medication during these tough times. It's a, it's a highly essential business. You know, half the time a student in Ann Arbor walks into the CVS, they're sick and they got like a 102 degree fever, right? Now that we, we are so conscious of illness and germs, don't you think that these social distancing strategies will persist through the course of the pharmacy experience in the future?
1: It's become clear that it's going to become an expectation of businesses and their community to sort of adhere to these new standards. So I I see this as a turning point. Like this will I I'm fairly sure that this is a trend that we're going to continue to see, and it's a matter of you know for example, in the, uh, flu season you know flu season coming up in the fall, um, and. Th- there are, you know, not just CVS Pharmacy, but other, um, other, uh, other local pharmacies and larger chain pharmacies. They do have, um, they offer these immunizations and vaccines in their stores. And so now it's going to be about thinking about carving out a separate space within the stores to administer it. Um, you know, they're going to have to implement different procedures and practices because it actually requires administering the vaccine. Um, and and so those are all things. And you know. We're trying to get ahead of that and anticipate what's going to be coming down the pipeline this year.
0: So, the average diabetes patient spends about $500 out of pocket. CVS CareMark, the revenues there, almost a quarter of CVS's total revenue. Do you see coming down the line more strategies where copay can be reduced to zero, like in the case of diabetes medications in this program? Do you see this expanding out of diabetes as a, a very functional business, kind of free market tool to? Enable better health outcomes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think so because chronic disease management is just becoming a um, like a huge part of the conversation in general. Um, not just in health, not when you're talking just about healthcare as a whole, but also thinking about the role that different players are going to to be playing in managing or helping patients manage those conditions. So um, if you're thinking about, you know, CPS Caremark, that is our pharmacy benefit um, management company. So, um, you know, so in charge of sort of reimbursing for treatments for pharmacy and, and medication treatments. Um, And so in that setting, we're thinking about, um, you know, generic medications, which typically do come with zero copays, depending, of course, all of this is dependent on the plan that the patient is on themselves. Um, But we do see that, and there is data to support this, that if a chronic disease patient um, like diabetes, I think the same can also be said for different types of heart conditions as well um if they are adherent to the medications that are prescribed by their pcps they ultimately do see better health outcomes and and lower rates of say admission to um to hospitals in the short term it, like it's a matter of making the economics work for a business like that um you know, I, I don't personally work on the Caremark side of the business. So I can't speak too much to like to what they're you know what's in their roadmap or how they're thinking about it. But just even from like our own like internal like stakeholder discussions about how different business units are thinking about chronic disease management, I think everyone is aligned that increasing medication adherence ultimately leads to better health outcomes.
0: The future of healthcare is exciting. You have the potential to impact millions and billions of people through technology and innovation. And you're thinking about these things every day as a part of your career. First off, would you encourage young people to follow in your footsteps in the business of healthcare? And beyond that, what's your advice to students who want to get into the business of healthcare?
1: I love what I do on a day-to-day. I think so much of it comes down to understanding and really breaking down the barriers and challenges that patients are facing in just accessing healthcare and, um, and improving their own health. And so, and those are really big questions, right? So then, it's, yeah. so then I think that in a, healthcare, big innovation, health, <laughs> healthcare innovation and healthcare business, goes about, really offers, I think, different approaches to how to really break that down, to how to distill a really large and complex problem and break it down into individual components that you can more realistically or feasibly address in, in the short term, or at least sort of create like a roadmap out. I think it, it comes down, and I've noticed this more just from like all the different types of healthcare companies and, and organizations that I've worked for over the past several years now. Um, you know, I think that healthcare professionals have a passion for healthcare. Um, and I think that wherever that can sort of come through, And it come from a very genuine place, then I think that that is where innovation um, takes root and where a lot of like inspiration can truly come from. You know, just having like the courage to think outside of the box. um, I think that can definitely go a long way as well.
0: Karina, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and getting us excited about the future. I think we can be optimistic right now.
1: Yeah, we absolutely can. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Karina Cabanillas. I was so lucky to have her on the show today discuss the business of healthcare. One more note, just reminding you all that our YouTube channel is now live. You can see the raw, unedited footage of these conversations I have with the coolest and most innovative business executives and entrepreneurs in the country. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay frosty, everybody.